Well, turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew 16. And let's pray. Father, today as we approach your word, Lord, we do so reverently. And Father, we thank you that your word is life to us. It's a river that flows to us. Lord, thank you that by your word we shall be transformed today as we become doers of your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16, and let's look at verse 18. And I say also unto you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. There is something in the earth that Jesus is very interested in. And it's the most important thing, the most important institution in the earth today. And what Jesus is interested in is building his church. Jesus is interested in building the church. We also should be very interested in building the church. As we know, life gets real busy and, and things get other priorities in our life. Things that sometimes are very good, very important and legitimate. But we always have to remember the thing that's going to stand 100 years from now is the church. For eternity, what's going to stand is the church. And so if this is so important that it determines your eternal destiny. Where you spend eternity is based upon what you do in relation to the head of the church, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it also determines, talking about inside the church, whether you receive rewards or not. How many think we should just get the whole enchilada? We should get everything that God wants us to have. So I feel led of the Lord for... Maybe a few weeks here. We'll see how it goes. And uh, to share along this line about the church. To speak about the church, the place of the church, the value of the church. What's the purpose of the church? How many know that everybody that's born again is a member of the church? <clears throat> like someone said one time, they said, are Catholics going to, church, uh, going to heaven? If they're born again, they're going to go to heaven. Are Presbyterians going to heaven? If they're born again, they're going to heaven. Are Pentecostals going to heaven if they don't run past it first? <laughs> Amen. I'm Pentecostal from the top of my head to the soles of my foot. Amen. That just means that I believe in, in what Acts 2, 4 says. You know, a lot of people think Pentecostal, they think a, a, a certain style of clothing or a certain hairdo. But Pentecostal means that, that the day of Pentecost, 
which um, we see in Acts 2, is actually all through the Bible. That's not when Pentecost first came. But it's a celebration when the Spirit of God was poured out in the earth. And now we never have to pray that he'll come. Holy Spirit, just come back. Come. No, we, when we pray for other people, we don't say, Lord, send your spirit now. No, we just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you and you're going to receive. All we have to do now is receive. The Lord's done the hard part. We just have to receive. So Jesus said, I will build my church. As I said, this is the most important thing in the earth. People say, well, what about the lost? That's what I'm saying. He's building his church. The lost are coming in. And he's interested in his church being built up. In fact, we all, the Bible says, are living stones. And once the last stone is sealed into place, then he's coming back. Now, we know that there are going to be many people during what we call the tribulation period, that there's going to be many people saved during that time. Many people. And so, what is the church? I want you to look back in um, Matthew 16. Um, Just read up Go up to verse 13. Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, that's the question today that that every person has to answer. Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some uh, Elias or Elijah. And other Jeremiah's are one of the prophets. You know, a lot of people are saying that today about Jesus. Certain religions say, well, he was a good man. Well, you know, he was a good teacher. He was, he was a good prophet. But they don't say that he was the son of God. Why? Because then they have a responsibility to yield their life or to, to discredit him and, and say, no, I'm not following the son of God. So what, what's it all about? That's why everything in the world is anti-anointing. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-Jesus as the head. So it's not Christmas, it's Xmas. I mean, you you can go all all the way down the line, you know, all these different things. Where people are trying, the world, the devil is behind it, trying to remove Jesus out of the equation. But, you know, there's nothing he can do about it. He's already been defeated He's already been whipped and restricted at the cross. So notice he says, you know, you're one of the prophets. But he said unto them, but who or whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, and see, that's that's the decision that makes the difference for all of eternity. What you say about Jesus. If you believe this, say it. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus is actually the rock. The Bible calls him the chief cornerstone. 
You're not, you're not moving this rock. I mean, you can move a lot of things. There's a lot of doctrines in the church that, you know, I, I don't argue with people. If they don't believe it, do you believe in healing? Yes. You know, that church down there, that river church, they, they speak in tongues. Yeah, we do. You know, I'm not going to be ashamed of anything the Lord does. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that may not affect someone's decision for eternity. So no need to, to you know, squabble over those little things. If people want to fight to be sick and broke, then they can. I'll pray for their healing and, and that they'll be, uh, <laughs> the Lord will bless them. <laughs> but this, you can't, you can't get away from this. Jesus is the rock. He's the head of the church. <clears throat> so notice here he says, he said, thou art Peter and upon this rock. Now, a lot of people try to make Peter the, the head of the church. Peter's not the head of the church. Well, you know, Peter's the first pope. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. But the, he, what he's saying here is this. You are Peter, and upon this rock. Now, this word rock, there's two different words here. And this word rock means a detached rock or a stone that can be moved or thrown. You know, even something that's can, you know, 50, 80 pounds, 100 pounds and more. Man, we've got some tough guys in here. They can lift that. And uh, you can move that. You can throw it. So that's what he's saying. He says, Peter, and he said, the rock, he said, a, a detached stone or one that can be moved or thrown. But then he goes on to say this. He says, and upon this rock, this is a different word. The first word is Petros. This is Petra. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, he's not talking about the rock of Peter. He's talking about the rock. This actually means a foundation slab or a rock you build a city on. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. What is that? The rock of the, of the Christ, the anointed one. The rock of the revelation that he's the Christ. That he's the anointed one. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. So he's interested in building the church. He's building something that hell cannot overcome. And we are the church. So the thing we have to ask is, what is our part in the church? It's to advance the kingdom of God. And it, it has to become a priority to us just like it is a priority to him. <clears throat> Back in uh, Matthew 16, I'm going to read the Amplified Verse 18. When you get a hold of this, I mean, this, this is powerful stuff. The Amplified Classic says this in verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And if you know how the Amplified reads, it's got it in, in brackets. Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar. <laughs> I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. You know what gates? You know, when we think about it, the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know, gates can't just fight. 
Who's ever seen a gate, you know, like move its hinges and just do something crazy? But see, gates allow access or restrict access. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Nothing from inside hell can come against the church. And there's nothing that hell can overcome and, and cause the church to be ensnared in, within its gates. So it shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. You know, the devil is not what he's cracked himself up to be. He, he thinks he's the eternally omniscient one. Like he's an equal opposite of God, just maybe one degree lower than God. No, the Bible says when we see, when the nations see what the devil is, they'll say, is this he? Is this the one who is, who's deceived the nations? I think he's going to be like some little golem creature or something. And they're going to look at him and say, what is this? But, but that's why he doesn't do things by power. He does it by deception. If he can deceive people, he can destroy people. So, on the rock of the Christ, I will build my church. The only thing that will last is the kingdom of God and the church. The Bible tells us we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And the Bible tells us that we are going to judge angels. That's not some weak little Christian. That's not some little weak. The gospel is a strong man's gospel. The gospel is for the strong. Amen. It's not some little weak... You know, like some Westerns you see and, and here's, you see the preacher, he's under, underneath the wagon, you know, or something like he's, no, that's not the way Jesus was. I mean, Jesus came to, to town one day and the Bible says he saw what happened and led by the spirit, he, it just shows you that, that the Bible says that he was angry. You know, you can be angry and not sin. And the Bible says that he was there and he um, went around back, out of town that day, but the next day, led by the Spirit, he came in to the money changers. Now, he didn't say, okay, boys, I'm going to ask you once. No, he just went in there, you know, this is my father's house. Can we please just make this a real nice place of prayer? You know, let's be reverent. No, he, he took the, the, he took a cord, a rope, and beat them. Beat the fool out of them. Not saying he hit them, but he, he drove them right out of there. He said, is not this the place of prayer? My father's house should be. He said, you made it a, a place of corruption. Yeah. <laughs> How many know that doesn't get you back invited to the, the next uh, convention? But the Bible says that we are going to rule and reign with Christ. So when we read this, I'm going to read that one more time. Notice he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. So what is the church supposed to do? The church is supposed to take nations. The gates can't hold against the church, the gates of hell. And I want you to get this picture in your mind because did you know, many people think that you know, the devil is this big creature. Don't believe what Hollywood says. That, that it's just some kind of, you know, he's just like eight foot seven. He'd come walking in and he's like 1,200 pounds. And, you know, you better not even make the devil. 
You know, people think like that as believers. You know, he, you know, shh, don't, don't, don't say that. The devil might hear you. Well, you know, he's the very dude that I want to hear. Because yeah. I, I have authority over him in the name of Jesus. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, I want you to get this picture though. The devil fears the church. How many know he, he's a, a being of fear? How many know that he sows fear? Well, you know what the Bible says you, when you sow? What's going to happen? You're going to reap fear. I believe that he is so afraid of the church and what it could be. So the only way he can divide us is by causing us to self-destruct. By causing us to, to come against one another to magnify our dif differences than rather yeah. magnifying what we hold in common. Yeah. But see, he's terrified of the church. You know why? Because he knows what Jesus already said. Yeah. He already announced his destruction. He already announced everything that was going to happen. Yeah. But you know, the devil, he, he, he's not a, a quick one to quit. So he keeps on with the church. But he's terrified of the church. I believe that if you get this picture, when he thinks of the church and what it can do and what it could be, panic, he has panic attacks. He has panic attacks. How I many know panic attacks don't come from heaven? He has panic attacks. Fear and panic just sweeps over him when he thinks about the church. Why? Wow, because he, he's afraid what if every single believer banded together? I mean, we'd be out of here so quick. What if we pulled all our resources together to do something? I mean, it's, here's the thing. Because you can't tell me in the earth that, that there's not money in the earth. You know, one thing I've learned is people do what they want to do. You know, if you have a, a something that's, um, you know, something that gets destroyed, whether it's through, through fire or, or any number of things, you know, if it's a good cause, people rally. Yeah. But see, people don't see the power of the church and they don't see the importance of the church and the place of the church. And let me say this. A lot of reasons why sometimes the church is not in the place that it should be in people's lives it's because God doesn't have the place in their life. When God doesn't have the place in your life, then the church, you know, you ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, you know, I really love God, but I just, I don't like the church. Well, you're deceived. Well, you know, I love, I love God. It's like one minister said, you know, the ministry would be good if it weren't for people. Well, what is ministry? It's about ministering to people. <laughs> It's not just preaching to yourself at home. Right. Hallelujah. And so that's why Jesus prayed that prayer in John 17 that we would be one. Because only then can we accomplish the plan of God. Amen. So the enemy is afraid of us. But we have no right to be afraid. Well, you know, I heard that there was a witch that moved into my apartment building. So, 
Go cast that spirit out. You know what fear does? Fear is, is opposite of faith. Well, just like faith attracts God, God has to have a legal right to work in your life. He can't just do something because then he would be coming against your own will. But just like faith attracts, so does fear. Fear attracts the devil. It gives him a legal right to do it in your life. And so that's why we say no fear. Say that. I allow no fear in my life. Hallelujah. See, when we obey God, now if we're not living right, if we're kind of living, you know, like one foot in, one foot out, then that's one thing. But when you're fully committed to God, you're living for Him, you fear no darkness. Amen. I remember Brother Hagin talking about that one time. He said, he was talking about like, how do you deal with demons? He said, number one, you live right. <laughs> you live right. And then you, you realize the power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But the Bible tells us as believers that we cast out devils. We heal the sick. You know, the Bible says you resist the devil and he will backtalk you. <laughs> you know, he'll push you back. No, the Bible says you resist the enemy and he will what? Flee. You know, flee, it actually means run from in terror. But see, how many in the church have this concept? They think, oh man, if you just, if, you, if, you, if you're not walking with, you, you, now we, we understand that we, we have to, if we miss it, we, we need to repent. But people think, oh man, you, you, you better not do this or, or the devil's going to get you. I remember there's a, um, north of Montgomery, Alabama, uh, seen this sign hundreds and hundreds of times. That sign is still up after decades and decades. I don't know what it was made of, but <laughs> it was about a church and it said, go to church this Sunday or the devil will get you. And it's got these flames on there. But, <laughs> well, believers don't have to be afraid of the enemy. He's afraid of me. He's afraid of me. Not because of who I am, but because of who I represent. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.13 tells us, Who hath delivered us from the authority of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? The, Jesus said this, I have the keys of hell and of death. So as he has the keys, who, who had the keys? The devil had the keys at one time. Now Jesus has the keys. The Bible says that Jesus in the book of Hebrews, that he had the, talking about the devil had the power of death. He destroyed him. Another word for that is paralyzed. Because a lot of times we think destroy, we think of annihilation. He just paralyzed all the power that he had. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10, I want you to look at this. Matthew, just skip back if you're still in Matthew 17. Say this with me. We're coming over. We're coming through. Look out, devil. We're coming through. People say, I don't want to antagonize the devil. Well, you're afraid of him. 
Amen. I don't talk to demons. I don't talk to devils. But when they show up, I'll just do what Jesus did. You know, you know what you do with devils? Two things. Shut up. Come out. Amen. Demons are known liars. To try to talk to them, where are you from? Who's your cousins? You know, what region? How many people have you been in? It doesn't matter. Shut up and come out. Shut up. Because all that just deals with fear anyway. Not only the people that are being delivered, but also the person that's trying to deliver them. Matthew 10 Jesus called on him and his 12 disciples and gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You know, that's the same charge that we have today. Well, you know, Jesus didn't appear to me and say that. Well, he gave it to you in the Great Commission. And so I today have authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I remember hearing a man of God say that when he was working at a, a particular ministry that had a healing school, that in that time, he said he would just take these scriptures and just get alone. He said for 30 minutes at a time. You know, how many know as a, as a minister, as a believer, you need to meditate in the word, but as a minister, that's what you do. I mean, that's like, that is your, your calling. So he said he would just meditate for 30 minutes at a time and just say it to himself. Close the, close the door, just close his eyes, say, I've been given authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, especially the days he would go and lay hands on people. Why? Because when you have, we lay hands on people, you need to have that confidence. You need to have that boldness that when I lay hands on, I don't care what it looks like. Well, you know, all diseases, you know, except cancer, of course, you know, or all diseases except rheumatoid arthritis or all but this. No, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So that means you can stop somebody over here at Lucky's and say, um, hey, I I notice um, you have an infirmity. Let me pray for you right now. God's going to heal you, you know. So he tells us, I give you authority. The Bible tells us in Luke 10, 19, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's what Rama was saying a few minutes ago when he was said walk on. I, I'm going to walk, I'm going to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So what, what is serpents and scorpions? It's symbolic of the power of the enemy. So that means I'm going to tread on it. They're not going to tread on me, I'm going to tread on them. But what the most... What what happens when most church going people you hear they hear you say that? Well, I wouldn't say that if I were you. Why? Because they're afraid. Why? Because the devil might just jump on you. Let me just tell you this: you're not just walking down the room down the road one day and oops, I got a devil. That's not how it happens. It happens because over a period of time, people are doing crazy stuff with their mind, with their body, and they yield to those things. Until where things can get a hold of them. But no matter what happens, like the madman of Gadara, the Bible says he saw Jesus and he went to him and worshiped him. He saw his deliverance, but then those devils saw Jesus too. 
Have you come to torment us before the time? See, they know their time is coming. How many know that there's coming a day? <laughs> he said, um, before the time, and, and he gave them leave and, of course, cast them out into the, the swine, the Bible says. But the church is empowered. The church is authorized. So I want you to see today that you're not a weak, defeated church. You're a bold, you're a, a conquering, and you're full of the faith of God. You're, you're, not, just, you're not just like going to succumb to the, the pressures of life. You're not going to succumb to the, the temptations of life. Why? Because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. What does that mean? Little bitty devil and big God. Everyone say little bitty devil. Like our pastor says, he's like a little stick figure, you know, just like a little devil. That, that's the way I see him. Now, if you disobey God, you're on his territory, though. But I'm not looking to disobey God. I'm not looking to see how close I can straddle the fence. Has anyone ever straddled a fence and you fell? Not too fun, is it? <laughs> so the church, the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, I'm not afraid of the devil. And I'm not superstitious either. Well, you didn't open that umbrella inside, did you? You didn't walk in that under that ladder. Yeah, and and you didn't break that glass, did you? Oh no. Oh man, you you didn't do that. You better. I, I heard a new one. It was something about you didn't do something. It said, "Yet did you throw that salt behind you?" You know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't base my life on superstition. So the church, because of that, they're not supposed to hide in fear. The Bible tells us that we're the light. What's, what's the light do? The light shows, is not supposed to be hid under a bushel. It's supposed to be up on a lampstand. Why? So you can let your light shine. Now, I'm not just talking about, I'm just talking about your, your normal everyday life. Not that you make a spectacle of yourself or, or try to draw attention, but you are who you are. And if you're full, then you just you you might just leak out on people, and you might just something might just happen. You know, I don't I don't know what might happen. I mean, you you, you just get full. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, "I don't know if it's better to to be used to to know that I'm gifted and be used in that way, or to just get so full of God and then just let Him use me whatever way He wants." You know why? Because especially in, in, in the U.S., what do people want to do? They want to put a title on their, around their neck. Well, I'm, I'm prophet so-and-so. I'm apostle so-and-so. The Bible talks about the works of an apostle. It doesn't say the title. It talks about the works. God's more interested in the works of an apostle than he is the title. And so on and so forth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let me find my place. Look over at Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. So we're talking about the church. And what is the church? And I'm going to give you a couple of definitions in a minute. But Ephesians 4 
in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. What does that mean? That means we, we put up with each other. We walk in love. You know, the Lord puts up with us too. So we always have to remember, well, I can't, I, you know, that's, that's it. That's the last chance I'm giving them. You know, God's not even, his, his patience has not even kicked in yet. He's not even thinking about it. And so we have to do the same thing and realize that God's putting up with us. Isn't that comforting? <laughs> he said, so with all lowliness, meekness, humility, with long suffering, forbearing one another love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. I think that's one thing people don't realize. The Bible says endeavoring. You know, endeavoring means that you're putting an effort to it and it is work. Well, you know, they didn't, they didn't come back and apologize to me. So not, I'm not going over there, you know, just, no. You, you have to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What does that mean? I might have to make a phone call to somebody and tell them, you know what? I'm sorry about that. I've done that sometimes when it seemed real silly. And people not even think about it. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I've, I've said things to my wife. And she took no account of it. And to her it may have sounded silly, but I just had to make sure in my own spirit and my heart. Okay, I, I just wanted to make sure. And then you're like, you know. Okay, all right. Amen. Things are good. Amen. That's how you need to be in your relationship with the Lord. So what's he say? Walk in love, walk in humility. We'll stay together, we'll be together. Let me say this too. I'm not going to get into this today, but the book of Colossians says this, how we're supposed to hold the head, which is Jesus Christ. Holding the head. What does that mean? Have his importance. A lot of people think that I'm just going to have unity by um, being around other people, by, by fellowshipping around natural things, but you can't have that. The way you have unity is by being connected to the head. Why? Because as we're connected to the head, see, that's why marriage works when two born-again believers, because if you're loving God, and she, if you're loving God, she's loving God, then what's going to happen? Things work in the marriage. When you're, when you're putting forth an effort, I'm, 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 I'm seeking to, to please God and, and your spouse is doing the same thing, what's going to happen? Is There's going to be unity. Amen. Hallelujah. Look in um, verse 4. He says, there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope you're calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah. So notice he says one. He's called the church to be one. So why, why are there 900 denominations? <laughs> because, people, because people don't get along. Because of the flesh, exactly. He says one body, one spirit. And the reason why is because the Bible says a house divided against itself shall not stand. 
That's why, that's why in this church, as many of you know, and you have to do this in your own personal life as well, we do not allow strife to work in this church. If people allow strife and they, they, they work strife, and the Bible calls it the work of the flesh. That means there's something happening. There's a working of it. I want the outworkings of the Spirit in my life. So, you know, if that happens, then we just have to say, well, you know, God bless you. That might, and this is, this is all through the years. And, and, you know, I mean, I've lived my life like this because you can't allow strife. When people do that, there's probably a better church down the road for them. Why? You're not being mean, but you can't allow, you know, what if you, what if you have your, your sheep in the field and then you see this wolf coming? And I'm not calling anybody a person, I'm not thinking anybody in particular, so don't, don't think, well, who's Pastor Will talking about? I'm not thinking of any person. But what happens is when the wolf comes, you know, a good shepherd doesn't just say, well, I wonder what his intent is today. I wonder what, if he's really hungry today. No, you just watch the sheep and you love people and you, you, you pray for people. But there's, there's times when people, if they don't align themselves with the Spirit of God, that's the thing. They have to, they have to go to other pastures to eat. Amen. But we, we can't allow strife. So what does the devil do? He whispers to people. They don't, they don't really care about me. You know, they're talking about me. I, I just know it. Meanwhile, they were probably talking about some recipe they got from their grandma. <laughs> and they think that they were talking about them. <laughs> but, but when we come together as the body of Christ, the devil is scared of us. Hallelujah. He's afraid of what the church can be. But the Lord is building his church. Do you know it's not the will of God for churches to decrease? You know, when you think about it, it, if every person, if we banded together, if the church became the church, if every church could be full, actually, in this city, yeah. and it would be what? Maybe 5 or 10% of the population? Maybe a little more, I mean, with the size. If every church was full. How many people are still in the, that are unsaved in that number? Yeah. So that's why I'm not, I never fight for people. And, and, you know, hey, why don't you come over to this church? I'm not a sheep thief. People can graze where they want to. Sometimes you have to lead them to, to other, you know, fields to go. But, you know, we're, we're not here. There's plenty of people that have never heard that need to hear the gospel. The Bible says the fields are wide into harvest. But the laborers, we have too many of them. No, it says we have too few. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's why it's, it's the will of God. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, God was just purging my church. Well, you know, we used to run a thousand, but now we run a hundred. That's not the will of God. Well, you know, we were just real committed people. And we just, we, 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 we really pressed into God. And, and it's just, no, you can't use that. God's not, it's not God's will that a church just goes down. You know, we had... And individuals, why in the world do you need that, that building over here? And um, I said, well, you know, it's not like a, an arena that holds 30,000 in here. 
It's, it's bigger than our last building. But if we just, if every person here just brought one person, we'd be, we'd be out of chairs. Amen. If we, if we just brought one, what if we brought one every year? Next year, so we brought one this year, and it would double. Then next year, it would double again. Yeah. And we'd have chairs everywhere in here. Yeah. And then we'd be having to, you know, build on it and add on out here. Amen. Or go to multiple services. Yeah. That's right. So, see, the church wants, needs to be built up. It needs to be edified, and it needs to be increased. Yeah. God's will is not that the church decrease. There's millions in heaven now. There's millions of believers on the earth and God wants it to be a lot more than there is now. That's his heart. Hallelujah. So as we, as we're together, we stay together, we work together. That's the will of God. The will of God is that husbands and wives stay together, that families stay together, that churches stay together, that the kingdom of God stays together. Jesus prayed that they may be one even as you and I, Father, are one. So what is the church? I'm going to give you a, in our, in our um, I'm, I'm kind of coming down to the, um, the, the last 20 minutes of the flight where we're coming down, you know. <laughs> we're preparing for a uh, landing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not promising anything yet. But what is the church? Some of the definitions are this, a gathering. That's one of the things that I heard several times when we came into this building. How many, you know, that helped us work out, you'd hear that. Uh, it's a gathering. It's an assembly. So there are certain things that apply to a church building that don't apply to other business buildings because you're a group of people that are meeting. So what is the church? It's a gathering. It's an assembly. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews the assembly of the, the firstborn, the church. But one of the words that is a common word is the word ecclesia, and it means a gathering or calling together. A gathering or a calling together. So that's why it's so important. That's why when COVID hit, you know what it was? It was an attack on the church right. because then churches couldn't meet, and, and it was all about... And then, of course, you know, well, you know, it's not all about the building. Well, we know that. But why is it then that a lot of people backslid? Like, like I heard one church, they were, um, you know, like a lot of the people that had you know, been delivered from this, they're going back to it. And in the youth group, they're, they're, you know, smoking weed and all kind of things. And, and why, why was that? Because the church quit meeting together and they quit being strengthened one with another. Now, you can watch things on good ministry online, but don't let that replace coming to church. Well, you know, I just, I'm close to God in nature. Well, bless your heart, but come back into church. Amen. What makes us as a church, a church, we're gathered together today. You came out today, we're gathered together. Hallelujah, worshiping together in one place. So God's called us all together as a church. One of the secular uses of this word is a gathering of citizens called from their homes to a public place. A gathering of citizens. Well, how many remember the Bible says that we're citizens of heaven? Our citizenship is not just, is not of the earth. 
Now, we are, if, if you're a uh, citizen of this country, that's an amazing thing. But our citizenship, our true home is in heaven. We're the ones that are called out and called together. Everyone say this, called out and called together. Hallelujah. You know, that's why, you know, the Bible talks about Paul when he was in Galatia. It talked about there was a time of calling and a time of separation. Some people, they've recognized the calling, but they haven't recognized the separation. Why? Because sometimes that separation takes time. The Bible talks about certain ones being separated unto the gospel of God. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So I'm preaching to the choir today, I know. Amen. But only us together can we accomplish certain things. And that's why the Bible says, but exhort one another, as you, especially as you see the day approaching. I like what the New Living Translation, the NLT says. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So, you know, it was a problem back in Paul's day. Well, you know, we don't need to go to church. But encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. So, should we be getting together more or less? So, we come together, we pray together, we give together, we serve together. What does the Bible tell us? One can put a thousand flight. Two can put two thousand. Well, I thought one plus one was two. No, but when you come together, there's that, that synergistic effect. One puts a thousand. Two puts ten thousand to flight. That's why in marriage, one, I mean, no, two is better than one. One, you... you to flight a thousand, but two, when you combine your prayers, the prayer of agreement, you put 10,000 to flight. What does that mean? That means the devil's running in stark terror. Hallelujah. And then finally, I want you to turn over to Ephesians 1. I'm going to put a retraction on that last statement. Um, Paul preached all night one time. So I'm not going to say the word finally when I preach for 30 or 40 minutes. I mean, Paul had a man that, that fell from the window. He raised him from the dead and just kept preaching again. <laughs> it's like the Bible says um, one man was up preaching one time. He said, he said, yeah, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, the... the uh, Husband dropped down dead and said, 30 minutes later, he said, no. He said, um, he said, maybe that's our group and that's the way we meet, but the, read the Bible. It says three hours later, his wife came in, not even knowing what happened. So in the, they're in the same church service. The same service said, hey, did you, did you do such and such? Yeah. To my, the same ones that, that buried your husband are going to take you out right now. And she fell down dead. I mean, they could have made the headstone at the same time. I never thought about that. I mean, you'd have to wait for, you know, 10 years later and then the, then the other one died. I mean, they made the headstone all at once. Here lies so-and-so. 
But Ephesians 1 in verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet. Now what's that talking about? Under the, the feet of Jesus. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. So I want you to notice this. No matter how insignificant you feel today. If you're in the body of Christ. Even the least member has the same authority over the enemy. And hath put all things under his feet. Well, where are the feet? The feet are in the body. The feet are not in the, in the head. The head is, is, he's head over the body, but the, the feet are in the body. So everything is under my feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So that means that Jesus is the head of the church. Not Peter. Not his descendants. Not anybody else. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the, we are the body of Christ. There's a song we should sing. We are in that army of the Lord. We've been washed in his blood and we are going forth. John knows it. I know he can sing it for me. What is that? That's the church triumphant. It's the blood bought, the church, the redeemed. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's why, I mean, this is something that, that, that every day you, you need to stir yourself up. I'm in the blood bought church. I'm washed. I'm cleansed. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. I'm here to do kingdom business. And see, that's one of the things that I pray that you get as you come to, our, to these services, yeah. that eternity is always one breath away. Yeah. And I think it's so true. I, it's like I heard a man of God say this. He said, a lot of people live their lives down here like, like they're going to do this forever. They get up and, you know, comb their hair, brush their teeth, eat. Hopefully in the opposite direction or opposite order. Brush your teeth after you eat. Go to work, come home, do your clothes, feed the dog, get back up, go to bed, get back up, and do the same thing the next day. And people do that like not even thinking about eternity. Remember the one man that said, all these barns that I have? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I've got so much increase. I'm going to build great. I'm going to tear these down and build bigger barns. The Lord said, thou fool. Not because he had money. If it was because he had money that he would rebuke Peter because Peter wasn't, you know, Peter wasn't some unprofitable um, person. He had a fishing business. But he told him, he said, this night will your soul be required of you and whose things will those be? You know, when you go to, when you step out of your body, you never seen a, you know, and I, I've just, as I've observed here, you know, several nights this week, I've seen lots of cars over at this funeral home. One thing you've never seen, you've never seen a hearse carrying a U-Haul behind it. I mean, you, you hear different things where people are buried in their cars and stuff. 
It just rusts just like your body decomposes. And so the only thing that matters 2,000 years from now, 10,000, 1 million years from now is the church. And so, you know, if people want to demean, well, you know, you know, a lot of people, and the devil included, would just rather see every church burned down. And, and But God wants to raise up people. God wants his church to be the supreme thing in the land. Hallelujah. That's why I have no problem with believing God for abundance. People can mock it. People, even from pulpits, people can mock it. And, you know, it's this, you know, around here, you know, we don't, we don't take up offerings. Well, that, that's not helping people. And that's nothing to be proud of. Why? Because the kingdom of God is to be advanced. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when, when, when we um, get through the service, I don't have an attache case that I just throw the cash in. First of all, that's, that's um, you know, you go to jail. Number two, how do you have that between you and the Lord? So when, when, we, when we talk about putting God first in, in, in money and things, it's not for my benefit. Why? Because I've practiced these things for 30 years. I'm just going to keep doing it. I found out it works, and I'm going to keep doing it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Amen. So I want you to say this with me. We, I, am part of the body of Christ. I'm going to live my life to build up the church, to let the church be edified, to grow and increase. Lord, show me my part. Help me to be a part of your, your eternal kingdom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, one day you'll be glad that we talked about this. And I know many of you are, but you're happy now. But Because I know growing up in church, I never heard anything about, I never knew I could even have a relationship with Jesus. I thought it was just about going and, you know, you go for an hour and, and then they're going to, the, the minister's going to have the kids come down front and huddle around. We're going to talk to the kids for a minute. Then we're going to go back to the seat. And then we're going to do the October edition of the Reader's Digest. That, that was just the way I grew up in church. And not mocking them, but that's just, that's what they knew. But I was oh so glad when, when, when I, I came in church. And what happened was conviction. Why? Because when the word is preached, the spirit of God comes to confirm that word. I remember coming to church. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord that night. I felt like my, I didn't feel like I was being electrocuted, but my whole body was just like, my, my heartbeat was like, we just got that, we just got a puppy yesterday and you pick him up and his heartbeat's like, you know, just like, 160 beats a minute, you know, and just. And that's the way it is when you're under conviction. But I was so, so glad that, that people told me. That they told me I wasn't right. You know, a lot of people would hear that you're right, but what good is it to say, yeah, you know, go down, which way do I go to Walmart? Go that way. But oh yeah, by the way, 
I'm not going to tell you that they, uh, they're digging that street up and you can't see it. What am I going to do? If I love people, I'm going to tell them, yeah, don't go that way, man, because uh, 10th Avenue East has got is a, a big hole there. You got to go this way. And that's what the Spirit of God does. Yeah. And see, that's why, you know, one of the things, the Bible says that, that hell was not created for, the, for us as people, but for the devil and his angels. But there are people that are going to go there. And unfortunately, that's what we had to... So fortunately, we, we preach the gospel, but unfortunately there are people that, that don't accept. And you know, there are people, we're not just talking about their sinners, but the Bible calls wicked. Why? Because no matter, if, even if they had a chance to repent, they wouldn't. But thank God, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I remember I had conviction on me. This, this, um, it was the um, daughter-in-law of the, of the pastor. She, got, she came up and she said, Will, have you ever accepted um, the Lord in your life? Well, the Lord must, must have definitely been dealing with her. Or maybe she saw me shaking like a leaf. <laughs> but I just knew that my, I was just like, I said, yeah. I went up. I don't remember praying a prayer. I don't remember much of anything. I just know that I went up one way and went back another way. I went up as an old creature. I came out as a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Amen. And from that day on, I've been part of the church. I've endeavored to do my, what I could in the church and to do my assignment. And that's the important thing is, what is ask yourself today, Lord, what is my assignment what is the thing that you want me to do? What have I been born to do? It's just like I was in, when I was in, um, just like many of you, when you're in 11th, 12th grade, you have career day, and you say, what do I want to be? Huh, well, the, the military. Uh, go in the military? I, I, no, I think I'm going to go in the, the, to a trade school. No, I think I'm going to go to college. No, I think I'm going to go straight in the workforce. You know, as a believer... It's not up for you to decide what you want to be. It's for you to discover what you've already been foreordained to be. What does that mean? God's already planned it out. You know, my boys, when we go to out of town, they don't have to figure out the route. I mean, they know that we go on the interstate, going to Bismarck and stuff like that. But they don't have to say, Dad, I'm going to plan that route out this time. And I think we should go this way. And I think we should go to Glen Ullen, go south and take 49 east over there, come out south of Bismarck. And I think we should just, I'd say, no, that's a long way around. Why? Because I have the plan. Well, Lord, I, th I think that I'm better called to this. I think that I should do this. But the Lord says, you know, I've already made, the I've already made this plan. That's why the Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You can't change your mind, and God's not going to change his mind. God's not going to look at you and say, well, upon further meditation upon this, I think that, that you're right. And, and um, yeah, we're, we're, let's, let's do what you said. How many know that's never going to happen? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the church. Lord, not just the, the river church here, but we're talking about the church universal, that we're part of the, the ever-growing body of Christ. Father, we thank you that we're just one of many that desire to lift you up and to magnify you. Father, I just thank you today. Lord, that per adventure, there's one person here, Lord, that's never received you. Lord, I thank you that you would speak to their heart even now. Lord, that those, what we would say, are backsliders. Lord, those that have known you. Lord, speak to their heart to let them know, Lord, they can come back. They can fall back in love with you. Lord, I just thank you right now for all those under the sound of my voice. If, if you're in this place, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you say, Pastor Will, pray for me today. I want to receive Jesus. Then I want to pray with you and for you today. Or if you're in this place and you say, once upon a time, there was a time that I was part of the church and I was so excited about being part of the church. But something happened. There was, there was a storm that came in my life and, and, and I just fell away from the Lord. But I want to come back today. I, I know that I'm not happy. I want to be happy again serving God, being in the church, serving as a in the as an usher or whatever, you know, that maybe you've done before and, and been a part of the church. There's no joy like serving the Lord and knowing that you're right with Him. Or thirdly, if you're in this place, you say, I just want to have the assurance because many people, they, they think so or they hope so and they, I, I want to be right. But if you're in this place and say, I want to know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. If, 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 if I died today, I would go to be with the Lord. If that's you, without anyone looking around, any three of those, if you say, I want to come back to the Lord, I want to receive the Lord, or I just want to make sure, if that's you, just raise your hand with no one looking around. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us this, that today is the day of salvation. You know, the Bible tells us that, never tells us that good intentions do anything for our, you know, a lot of people had good intentions, but never get to do, even in the natural. They have good intentions to do a lot of things. How much, well, you know, I was going to get involved with the church, or I was going to, I was going to go to church, but what's the enemy trying to do? He tries to take people out. He tries to take people before they can surrender their heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, call upon the Lord while he is near. There's going to be a day when now, just like Noah's Ark, the, the gangplank is down and the Lord is saying, come, all ye that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Amen. This is what we call the age of grace. God's not mad at people, no matter what an angry preacher says. God's not mad. There's coming a day for judgment just because that's what his word is announced. But it's because people have judged themselves unworthy. Hallelujah. But the Lord is a good God. 
So if you raised your hand on any three of those categories, I'm going to do just what I said. I'm going to pray with you and for you. Stand to your feet. And then come right up here. We want to pray with you and for you. Thank you, Father. And please, unless there's an emergency, no, no one leave. No, because this is important. This is important. Thank you, Lord. I want to make us to make this confession of faith. The Bible says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe. You mean it's that simple? It's that simple. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I, then you shall be saved. So I want you to pray this for me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the precious name of your son Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess him as my Lord and Savior, then I would be saved. So, Father, right now, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess him as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, change me. Let me never be the same again. Lord, I turn my back on the past and I follow you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being raised for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day forward, I'll never be the same. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know what's it? You know, when you read the, when you really read the Bible for what it says, it's really amazing. Because as a believer, we're supposed to be positive in every... doesn't mean you don't deal with negative things. But faith looks at it one way compared to what the way unbelief does. The Bible never said... You know, it's like if we had every person in here was lost. Just say every person was lost. And one came forward for salvation. And just say it was 100 people. The Bible never said that the angels of God weep over the 99. It says they rejoice over the one. So what do we do? We rejoice over the one. We pray for the 99. Amen. So, you know, don't let anybody rain on your parade. 